Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Pastor John McGovern. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. It's such a blessing to be here. Uh, all of us should be so proud and blessed with Pastors Eddie, Mike, just over here, just right down the street, uh, Pastor Mondo, Pastor Ray. I'll be with him Sunday over in North Long Beach. I like to differentiate between North Long Beach and South Long Beach. And uh, so many miracles are happening in his church there. And, uh, you know, past, Pastor Angel, you know, over there so far away from home. Uh, it, it, Michael, Pastor Michael, and pioneering, just having a heart to go to leave here. Not a lot of people leave L.A. But once they do, they, they never come back. Uh, Pastor Hector, one of my... Uh, I just admire him so much. Pastor Victor, uh, we have two couples from Hong Kong coming here in mid-July. They'll be here in the service, hopefully. Uh, we, we're trying to find an Airbnb for them. And so if you know anything in the vicinity, let, let us know. Uh, but we're gonna, they want to go to Mexico. And the first thing I thought of going to Mexico, we've got to go down and be with Pastor Victor down there and uh, Yolanda, and it'll be a blessing to be down there with him. He, he, he's going to try to help us, and he'll take us on a tour of Ensenada. Uh, and and uh, uh, Pastor Albert, just down the road. And, uh, and, and if you could, how many have been in this church over 20 years? Raise your hand. Okay, not many. So you didn't get an opportunity to see our brother Diga, David Hernandez, when he was little. Just a little with the same passion, the same passion for Jesus. I, I remember, I remember him looking up and asking questions, just a little guy, and God has raised him up. This church, the Paramount Fellowship, uh, I, I thank you, Pastor Omar, for the honor to be here. I honestly um, want to tell you that, the honor to be here, because every, in my opinion, I don't know about you, but in my opinion, every single gathering of the Paramount Church is a great example of where two or more, Jesus said, are gathered in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Truly, the presence of God is in this place. At the Memorial Day picnics, the presence of God is out there in the park. Honestly, it might feel different, but I'm telling you, when how many people have walked up and said, what are you guys doing here? And then you lead them to Jesus. Why? You know, I have a friend that uh, was a mentor, and he built a great, great church. And this was his saying to me, that, that evangelism, is the work of man or the work of flesh. 
That's what evangelism is. Revival is a work of God. Today I want to, or this evening if I could, I'm going to move right along and I, I think I've got the time up there. So uh, if what I'd like to speak about, if I can find my uh, notes here. Apart from me, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing of any value apart from me. I read an article a couple of years ago. Uh, it was done by an agricultural school. They said it is reported that the production of 100 bushels of corn from one acre of land, in addition to the many hours of the farmer's labor, required 4 million pounds of water. We're talking about 100 bushels of corn. Uh, required 4 million pounds of water, 6,800 pounds of oxygen, 5,200 pounds of carbon, 160 pounds of nitrogen, 125 pounds of potassium, 75 pounds of yellow sulfur, and other elements too numerous to list. In addition to these things, which no man can produce, rain and sunshine at the right time are critical. It was estimated that 5% of the produce of a farm can be attributed to the efforts of man. Did you get that? 5% can be attributed. If we could wave our hands and have revival, we wouldn't need God. But the scripture I'm going to read tonight is Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Today, I hope you discover this. You know, just as a farmer relies heavily upon elements outside of his flesh to produce his crop. You and I have got to rely upon Jesus. Hallelujah. The name above all other names. The King of kings and the Lord. I could go on and on. Every title attributed to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to rely upon him to produce Spiritual fruit in our life and fruit, the souls of men and women, that he desires. It's his desire. I don't know about you, but I wasn't raised in church. There are a lot of you, I can tell you weren't raised in church. And uh, I don't want to name names and point fingers. But, but, uh, but the last thing we ever wanted to do on a Wednesday night was come to church. The last thing we ever wanted to do on a Sunday morning in fact, none of us, if we're honest, could ever roll out of bed on a Sunday morning after activities on Saturday night that probably didn't end until Sunday morning. So the desire that God placed in our heart to see people come to Jesus, he placed that desire within our, it's his desire. He uses people like you and me. Amen. But apart from him, we can't do nothing. 
You've heard it said that many, uh, I've, I've read revivals for years. They've all been birthed in prayer. You know, I had the privilege to be in England with John, not with John Wesley. I'm not that old. But, uh, but where he, as a young man, gathered his brother and a couple of other people as young students to begin to pray for revival because they knew there was no revival in England. And unless they prayed and were dependent upon God moving, there would be no revival. And out of that came the Methodist movement, powerful movement. John Wesley, I believe you'll have to look it up and correct me. It's been a while, this off the top of my head. But toward the end of his life, he lamented the fact that he was getting so old that he could only preach six times a day. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you. And, and so uh, John 15, verses 1 through 5, if you want to read with me. Isn't it good to read about Jesus? Without him, we've got nothing. We've got no hope for the future. But he said, I am the way, uh, the truth. I was going to say, I'm the way, the truth. He said that too. That's what Jesus said. There are a lot of things Jesus said, and we need to pay attention. But, uh, but the scripture says, I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges that. So did you get that? That if we bear fruit, we still get purged? I'm going to get to that tonight. And uh, it gets purged so it can bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. Hallelujah. And I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you abide. No more can you uh, unless you abide in me. That's what Jesus said. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So there are three things I want to look at tonight. Uh, for one, uh, we want to talk about bearing fruit. How many would like to do that? I know you would. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a crazy question. Who's going to say, no, I don't want to bear fruit? Well, you know, we want the fruit of the Spirit in our life, and we want to reproduce reproducers. Amen. Hallelujah. All souls for Jesus. While we live, while we breathe, to see more and more fruit. And so the first thing I want to look at for you and I to be able to bear fruit we need relationship. There are significant relationships we have in life. You know, there was a time when, as Pastor Omar said, I was a school teacher, went into China. I had no guarantee that what we see today we would have, but in the spirit I did. Why? Because I remember praying, not on that side, but on that side of the altar in Tempe, Arizona. And I, I asked God if me going to China with a wife and 
two daughters at that time. We only had two. Was his will or was it my ego? Some people do things because of their ego. You know, I mean, in our fellowship, our heroes are those that go out. We've got to be careful we don't go out for the wrong motives. The motive has got to be that that's what God called us to do. When we know that God has called us to do that, and he begins to speak to us, you know, everything began uh, our journey in China in prayer. Amen. I was inspired. Somebody preached. Pastor Larry Neville was our pastor at the time. He preached. It inspired me to try to find out how to go to China. But as I realized that we went to China or had the ability to go to China, I asked God, is this your will for me? Is this what you want? And God began to speak. I believe that's the beginning of revival. That's the beginning of prayer. You know, that we just don't start praying, but God begins to speak to our hearts. And then we begin to speak to God about what he's speaking to us about. I hope that makes sense. It's not in my notes, but I, I just want to say that, that uh, we have significant relationships in life. So I remember the day that your pastors uh, began their church. And it wasn't like this. I mean, if you would have had a Sunday, it was like Wednesday. Can you imagine? You would have been calling, Pastor Mike, you're not going to believe what happened. You know, in this little store, they couldn't even get in the doors. It's an exciting time. But um, the, the, the most important relationships or relationship is what we find in our text. It all began with your pastors and me and you meeting Jesus, having a relationship with him. So we need to understand who is being described in this text in John 15. So we have the branches. The branches are the Christians. The farmer, the gardener, the, the vine dresser is God the Father. Right? And the vine is Jesus. Hallelujah. The fruit is not only the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, but I believe the fruit that we bring forth, the like kind, like we are. You know, somebody witnessed us. Somebody brought us to church. Somebody told us about Jesus. Hallelujah. And so we do the same. We want to see a reproduction of what God has done in our life. And so... <clears throat> excuse me, as branches, uh, we have a relationship with the farmer. Amen. Right? He's responsible, the farmer, for pruning the branches uh, so that those branches can bear more fruit. They can be pruned in two ways. Number one, the dead wood is cut away. Sp springtime, we just passed springtime, but those of you that trim your bushes or whatever you do, you know that the wintertime kills a lot of branches. So you got to cut the dead wood out. And then when you do that, I don't know how it works, but it comes back bigger and better than ever. Then you have to work even harder. But when the dead wood is cut away, excuse me, I'm so sorry. It might be a shorter sermon than you thought. <clears throat> when the dead wood is cut away, is that okay? Can you bear with me with my voice? <clears throat> I don't know what happened. Uh, 
it, 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 um, it's for a reason. In Arizona right now, a lot of trees are dying, a lot of pine trees, because they get this bark beetle infestation. And you got to cut that stuff out because uh, it, it'll breed disease and more insects. And so that's one reason why um, branches are pruned. Uh, second thing, it, you cut away the, you know, so the, the, the vine won't deteriorate or the, the, the plant won't deteriorate. And the quality of that crop will be, <clears throat> will be jeopardized if, if not. So the farmer is going to cut away bunches of grapes, getting back to the vine. How many have been up, uh, I think, in Temecula? They've got vineyards up in Temecula. They used to have them in Rancho. I don't know if they have them anymore. Rancho Cucamonga, that's down south, way down south there. Uh, <clears throat> so that's what my, my grandfather did. He came from Italy, went to the Napa Valley, a place called St. Helena, and he uh, had a vineyard. And as a little boy, I'd go out there, and I couldn't do much, but I felt like I was working. But I watched how he took care of those vines. Uh, <clears throat> so when you, when you cut back, the crop comes back bigger and better than ever, more fruitful than ever. Um, our God, Billy Graham one time wondered, you know, he said, it doesn't feel like God is near me. I can't feel the presence of God like I used to, he told his mother. He said, Billy, uh, those are times when God is closer to you than ever before because it requires that you live by faith. But uh, sometimes when we're being pruned by God, when we're going through it, now is a time when people either go through or they break through, as they say, or they break down. You know, there's two ways to go. We want to break through. It's the will of God that we break through. But there, when the pressure comes, when we feel like we're being pruned on the inside, it's never, it never feels good. God begins to cut away the dead wood that can cause trouble in our lives. And, and uh, you know, tissue, our, our spiritual tissue that, that, that is robbing spiritual energy. You know, things, I'll, I'll get, you, you'll catch on as soon as, I'll make this work. <clears throat> God help me too. Amen. But pruning doesn't mean um, uh, spiritual surgery on everything that's bad. Sometimes we think that's what God is only doing, cutting away the bad. But, but it can also mean cutting out the good and the better so that we might have the best. Does that make sense? So how does God do that? Well, he, he, he does it through the conviction of his word. In Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says, for the word of God is living. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword or double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes, the intents of our heart. You know, sometimes he prunes us through different types of discipline, as we read in Hebrews 12. 
you know, if God loves us, we get disciplined. Amen. And so no matter what method God uses, it's for our benefit so that we can bear fruit. Hallelujah. So the more we abide in Christ, the more fruit we're going to bear. Uh, the more the Father has to prune in our life, the better the quality of the fruit in our life. Are you with me on that? You know, we can fake the fruit of the Spirit sometimes, but there's always somebody that knows how to push the right button. Thank you, brother. What is, what is that? Okay. <clears throat> Real hot? I think that did it. I can feel it. <clears throat> and so the more we abide in Jesus, the more fruit we're going to bear. So the key to living the way that God wants us to live and doing what God wants us to do is we've got to abide in him. And I'm going to go on and, and make this even more clear or clearer as, as I go on. So left to its own devices. I have a tendency to do that. You know, it's a lot of work pruning things. And, and if you have a lot of water and the right elements, things grow. But grapes are a funny thing because if you don't prune them, if you don't work with them, you get big clusters of grapes. But they're little grapes, and they're not very good. I don't know if you knew that. I grew up around that, so I saw that. God is glorified, I believe, by a big crop. Amen. Uh, and, but he's glorified by a big crop that is also a better crop. Hallelujah. So it's not, are you with me on that? Yeah. Do I need to, like, flesh that out any? You know, you got a big crop. Not always things that are big are better. Amen. Quantity is not always the goal. Yeah, there's got to be quality. And, and so, so God is working on our hearts. Amen. So we've, we've got to have a relationship with the vine. The symbolism in the Word of God, the vine and the branches, is similar to the head and the body. Throughout the New Testament, we see the head and the body. We, we have a living relationship to Jesus Christ. We belong to him. And in Ephesians 5.23, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. The body cannot function without the head. It's impossible. I know because I killed a four-foot rattlesnake in my porch the other day with a machete. I cut that snake off, that head off. I took that machete. It was up in there striking, and I took that machete, cut that head off. The body's jumping all over the place. That's what snakes do. But I knew that without the head, that snake, I didn't have to worry about it. And... Uh, 
So, you know, the body can't function without the head. And the branch cannot bear fruit without the vine to give its strength and nourishment. You and I cannot grow as Christians. And isn't that our desire to grow? Isn't that God's desire for us to grow strong and to bear fruit? Unless our relationship with Jesus Christ is one of dependence and, and care where God is pruning. You know, that new song, uh, Omar, where, where are you? That was a good song. I mean, that really touched my heart. You can go back and kind of uh, see, you know, a parallel there with this sermon. Uh, so we've got to understand the necessity of having a relationship the relationship that we must have to the farmer, amen, to the vine dresser. And the second thing I want to look at is our responsibility. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying that in the context of bringing forth spiritual fruit. He's not saying that we cannot brush our teeth without him. He's not saying that we cannot ride a bicycle or a Harley Davidson without him or hold down a job without him. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if we don't depend on him, the vine, then we will never be able to grow in our Christian walk. We can try as much as we want, but we need Jesus and never more than now. I got saved a long time ago. I don't want to tell you how long ago. Make me depressed, but I, I'm not that I got saved. But it was such a long time ago. Amen. But the fact is, is that I need Jesus today more than ever before. I don't want to depend upon my 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 memory, upon my uh, muscle memory. You know, as a guitarist. I can leave the guitar for a long time and pick it up and still do the things I did before. It's amazing because there's muscle memory. Basketball players, speaking of the tournament, you know, those guys shoot so many shots, they can do it in their sleep. They got it down to a science. I don't want to be like that. That's the work of man. We need God, amen. Without the vine, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We can't bear fruit. We can't see the anointing of God. You know, I, it's not in my notes, of course, because I wasn't here. But coming in tonight, how many felt the presence of God like a blanket over your life? The comfort that God brings. Isn't the Holy Spirit our comforter? But, but you know, I, I know Omar Jr., pretty uh, well. You know, I'd say well. I've known him since forever. Yeah. Before he knew me, I, kn I knew him. Or before he could recognize me. But I'm saying that, that I know him well enough to know that when he comes up here with a great song, with a great hook, with a great feel, that there's something inside of him that says, God, if you don't breathe life into this, it's just going to be another song. Anybody can do it. We can get a cover band from Hollywood to come up here and do it. They don't have to be saved. They can just copy the music. 
But see, there's something deeper than the music. And that's what Omar and the band and all everybody is. That's why we feel the presence of God. That's why fruit are being born in this church. Not only salvation, but miracles. I mean, there was a day I, I remember our evangelist uh, uh, Diga, uh, if I can say that, David Diga, and, and, or Diga, <laughs> but he's always going to be Diga to me, that as a young guy, he saw no miracles in his life, but he longed for a day to see miracles. And in this church, all of you have got to experience the miracle-working power of the Holy Spirit. It's not, okay, I don't, I don't need to wax eloquent on that, but in verse 4 of our text, it says, Abide in me, abide in me, and I in you, as the vine cannot bear fruit of itself, except you abide in the vine. No more can you say, except you abide in me. So how do we know what God is asking? Well, number one, uh, we have to submit to pruning. A lot of people quit when the pruning comes. They like, you know, when the, when the warm and fuzzy is there. They like that. When the kumbaya, you know, light a candle kind of thing. Do they do that anymore at concerts? They used to light, you know, like a lighter and, and, and hold hands and feel good about yourself. But, but when the pruning comes, I've seen so many people throughout the years give it up. There was a famous preacher named W.E. Sangster. He was a Methodist preacher. And he wrote this in his journal. Um, even though he was a well-known preacher, a good man of God, um, over time he noticed that the spiritual passion had died down within his life. And it became less and less noticeable. I know you've never experienced that because you've been saved like three days. Yeah. But, but there might come a time you might feel like this great preacher, this great man of God. And he made the following observations. I am irritable and easily put out. I'm impatient with my wife and children. I am deceitful in that I often express private annoyance when a caller is announced and simulate pleasure when I actually greet them. From an examination of my heart, I conclude most of my study has been crudely ambitious, that I wanted degrees more than knowledge and praise rather than equipment for service. Even in my preaching, I fear that I am more often wondering what people would think of me than what they think about my Lord and his word. I have long felt in a vague way that something was hindering the effectiveness of my ministry, and I must conclude that that something is my failure in living a truly Christian life. I'm driven in pain to conclude that the girl who has lived as a maid in my house for more than three years has never felt drawn to the Christian life because of me. I find slight envies in my heart at the greater successes of other young ministers. I seem to match myself with them in thought, and I am vaguely jealous when they attract more notice than I do. I don't know about you, 
But I can admire people like that. A man of God that is brutally honest and seeing that he needs those areas pruned. So you and I, I believe we've got to do a little self-examination of our lives and be brutally honest with ourselves and with God and then submit to God's pruning of our lives. God's not going to force ourselves. Have you ever heard it said that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman? He will only come by invitation. Not that he, I mean, God can do anything he wants to, whenever he wants to, and sometimes he does. But I've seen in my life that he comes by invitation. Amen. He's going to be there. And when he's there, <laughs> he's going to work. Our God is a worker. He's going to be going to work on his workmanship, you and I. And if he can only get that job done, if we're willing to open the door and our hearts and let him in. And we need to remain in communion with him. Hallelujah. A man, it's a story I read, a man brought a new hunting dog. And he was eager to see how this hunting dog would work. And so he took him out to track a bear. No sooner had they gotten in the woods than the dog picked up the trail. Suddenly, he stopped. He sniffed the ground and headed in another direction. He had caught the scent of a deer and, and that had crossed that bear's path. A few moments later, he stopped. The dog stopped again. And this time, he smelled a rabbit that had crossed the path of the deer. And so on and on it went until finally the hunter, out of breath, running after this dog, only to find the dog just barking away because he triumphantly found a little mouse. So sometimes you and I, I believe that is like us. We start off with great goals, high resolve. You know, we say that all the days of our life, we will keep Jesus number one in our lives. We will follow. Did you ever pray that prayer? Lord, I'll follow you all the days of my life. Follow you. Amen. But soon, the things of this world, the attention gets us diverted, and we start looking at things that are not as important. We start following these little rabbit trails after things that we shouldn't be following after. And it, it leads from one to another, to another, to another. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Who can know him? But, but uh, pretty soon we've strayed so far from the original purpose God had. You know, as pastors of this church, this great church here, the reason they keep adding pastors on here and sending pastors out is to be able to help people. I think it was Pastor Johnny Doris, the first one that told me this. He said, you know, John, the job, our job as pastors is to get them to heaven. Amen. And so here on earth, we just want to, Say what we said the day we gave it, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. You'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And when you lifted your hand, that's all we wanted. Give your heart to Jesus. Let Jesus be Lord of your life. Hallelujah. 
Don't follow all those little rabbit trails or follow after somebody that doesn't have any idea where they're going. But people will follow after people like that. So uh, I've noticed this in the lives of people that become legalistic. They spend all their time debating issues. How many times have we seen this? They want to debate things that are not necessary uh, nor productive to the cause of Jesus Christ. They go from living lives of great joy and freedom in Jesus to arguing with anybody who wants to argue and disagreeing with them on minor points of the Bible, things that are not that important but they want to argue. The problem is somewhere along the way, I really believe that they quit letting God prune their lives and and prune their souls. That's what we're talking about, the soulish realm of man, you know, that God is wanting to get at, the five senses. And uh, you can think about that later. But they lost their fellowship, their relationship with Jesus Christ. So they fill it up with anything that sounds religious. And they become Become religious, but Jesus calls us to remain in Him, to hike up with Him in the mountains, to walk down with Him in the valleys of life, and and to hold His hand as we go through storms and sunshine. Amen. Both that we hold on to Jesus Christ our Lord. So, you know, we, we see that the relationship we have and the responsibilities that He has given to us. We've got to take into consideration, I'm closing, the third thing. We have to take into consideration the reward. Jesus said in verse 3 that we'll be cleansed. More than that, he says you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. We've seen that his word is a tool that God uses to prune us. In Philip's translation of the Bible, I think you can still get a hold of it, but um, You have already been pruned by my words. See, we're cleansed by God's word when we accept Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1.13, the Bible says we need continual cleansing, though. I don't know about you, but I've always been taught that sanctification is an ongoing process. Hallelujah. (laughs) And I'd like to tell you, there's a day when you can, there's these people I'm talking about people on Facebook Live, but they're dead now, so I don't have to worry. They used, they used to believe, they used to believe that if you had the faith that they had, that you would never die. They also said if you had the faith they had, you would never have to take a bath because you could achieve this level of spirituality where you're clean. Crazy, huh? So let's pretend you didn't take a bath, let's say for a week. You didn't shower, you didn't bathe. I, I don't know if you take, some people take baths, but you didn't take a shower. What do you think would happen? Do you think you have the faith to smell pretty good? I don't have that kind of faith for you. I honestly don't. If you don't take a bath or shower for a week, you're going to smell. And nobody... Nobody will want to be around you. When we don't accept God's reward of spiritual cleansing on a regular basis, we're going to stink. 
I'm telling you, and nobody's going to want to be around you. But when we accept God's reward of spiritual cleansing and we continue to let his word saturate us, we find ourselves continually washed and made holy, separated from the world world by the washing of water by his word. And the reward is we'll bear fruit. I'm convinced this one lady that worked with the poor, no, a lot of the younger people wouldn't know her name, but she worked with the poor. And he said, <clears throat> I'm still, con-, she said, I'm still convinced that it is he, not I. That is why I was not afraid. I knew that if the work was mine, it would die. She did a great work. Have you ever heard of Mother Teresa? Yeah, this is Mother Teresa. And she said, she said, but I knew it was his work and that it will live and bring much good. Uh, if the work is looked at by just ourselves and eyes only from our own way naturally, we ourselves can do nothing. But in Christ, we can do all things. That is why this work has become possible because we are convinced that it is he, he who is working with us and through us in the poor and for the poor. And she was talking about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, how that him working in us gives us that heart of compassion, that heart of empathy, that heart of love, that heart of patience, kindness, and on and on. So there was a book written many years ago when I was a young guy, and it says, let go and let God. And, and when we do that, we'll reap the fruit. The reward is the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. In our lives. And uh, know, we got to know that we're walking in the will of God. Uh, a mother and her three-year-old daughter were riding in a car when suddenly the little girl put her head on her mother's chest and began to listen. The mother said, what are you doing? She said, I'm listening to Jesus in your heart. And, well, the mother said, what do you hear? Well, it sounds like he's making coffee to me. <laughs> See, when God does his work within our lives of pruning, we know that we are step by step, day by day, from glory to glory, becoming more attuned to his. That's why we've got to abide in him. Apart from him, we can do nothing because uh, as we get closer to him, that's what we want, right? We don't want a book to tell us what the will of God is or a video. Uh, do, do they have videos anymore? <laughs> or, or TV or radio or whatever. We need, every man lives by the word of God. Hallelujah. It proceeds from his mouth to us. His breath to us. We need to hear from God. I know that that's the will of God for your life to bear fruit, don't you, tonight? Um, and this is the last one. This guy uh, talked about there's this place in England where underneath a glass thing is buried uh, hundreds, of year, hundreds of years old. Let's see, how many hundreds of years? A thousand years old. Um, grapevine. The roots are down there under the glass. This is in Hampton Court, if you ever get out to England, uh, outskirts of London. And, and it's connected to uh, branch, uh, vines. And, and, and it goes on through hundreds, uh, let's see, 200 feet long. But because it's skillfully cut and pruned, 
the vine produces several tons of grapes every year. Some of the smaller branches are 200 feet away from the main stem, but they bear a lot of fruit for a thousand years because they're joined to the vine and they allow the life of the vine to flow through them. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Can I pray tonight for you? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.